last half full moon, where if we didn't use Egyptian voodoo magic to solve artificial intelligence, full moon features would go out of business. I am your host for this evening, Casey, and joining me tonight is my... Sometimes I pull the strings here. What would I call you, Gabe? Um, only good for the editing. Yeah, that's about right. My editor, no, you, Gabe. Your your uh, attempt at a pun was very welcome. Clearly, you are the puppet master of this operation. Quite, quite. I mean, as they say, behind every great man is a woman who is pulling all the strings. Except for the Wizard of Oz. Eh. Because that was another man. <laughs> nah, Glenda was totally pulling that bitch. hey oh. Anyway. <laughs> Tonight we discuss another installment in our beloved Full Moon franchise, Puppet Master 4. Gabe, let me ask you our usual question. Was this a good movie? So, full disclosure, I watched this with Quentin and our mutual friend Aaron, which did I'm so sorry. increase... Well, it did increase my enjoyment, but however, I'm not going to let that taint my enjoyment. This was not a good movie. It... No, you're right. It wasn't a good movie. I mean, like, it's amusing at parts, but otherwise a fairly forgettable installment in the franchise. So, it was mid. It was a pretty mid-tier, on the about the same... Because I believe we're both in agreement that Peak Puppet Master is Puppet Master 3. Agreed. And this does make some nods to Puppet Master 3 in terms of continuity. It makes no nods to Puppet Master 1 or 2. Probably for the best. So, this film is mid-tier up until the end. The ending is what really sinks it for me. And As we'll being get there. bad? Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong in that front. Um... But let's begin with this shit show of a movie that already takes an unusual turn since we don't start off with the Puppet Master's usual theme music. And we instead open on credits that are intercut with weird Egyptian slash demonic visuals, including a clawed hand and a weird wall of multiple mini wombs that are just strobing with light. So yeah, there were those weird fucking like... I wrote down H.R. Giger puppets, but they don't, like, do anything. No, um, I think this is meant to be some sort of Egyptian underworld. They don't do much in... They, it's very obviously just some kind of, like, framing device for our main baddies for this film. And holy shit, this leader puppet is fucking ugly. Ladies and gentlemen, we got tits. <laughs> I'm counting it. This I'm is... counting it. Yeah, these foam puppet tits are are of the male variety and are the only ones that we are going to get in this movie with some disgustingly deformed f giant foam nipples. All right, before we go any further, let's let's stop. Let's talk about the costume. Let's just get it out of uh, out of the out in the air this is some power rangers tier bullshit it's bad it is if you've ever seen those 
Halloween costumes where it's like someone's the costume has arms that are longer than the regular person's arms and they're kind of like being held out on sticks. It's like that. He his arms never go completely flat at his sides. And in addition to that, his mouth is covered in goo. It's like his skin has been stitched together. I don't think this is a person in a costume. I think this is just a full full on puppet. I think it is, I think it might be puppeteered. I think it's just straight full-on puppeteering, because if you look at the size of his waist, there's no way a normal person could fit in there. I think it's one of those things, because if you've ever seen how they did the puppeteering for um, C-3PO, how it was a guy who was behind the actual <clears throat> costume, so to speak. So I think there was someone doing that where it was they were just slightly behind and basically puppeteering and moving it as though it was a step in front of them. Yeah. Uh, Very similar to how they did uh, Chucky in a few of the films. Right. Yeah. It is very, as I said, Power Rangers-esque in the fact that it is so cartoonish. It's bad. In addition, this whole set makes no sense aesthetically. It's got the like face, the face on it. Have you ever? It might be a bit uh, niche for you, but did you ever see the Adult Swim show Frisky Dingo? I have vague memories of it. The main character, the the complete white demon guy. This looks like a knockoff version of him. Oh, I okay, I just looked it up. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It looks like a knockoff version of him in puppet form. It's bad. But speaking of niche references, this movie's full of very, very weird references. Yeah. First of all, did you notice Milo's back? It was it was a very exciting moment when I saw Milo's name show up and Quentin was there with me. I did not see Milo, unfortunately. I was looking um, out for it just so I could point at him. Like, ah, see, he's always here. <laughs> oh, gosh. But so Any- these creatures are talking about the upworld and how they have. Andre Toulon has stolen the secrets that they have, and the, only they can have the secrets, but Andre Toulon stole the secrets. But we can't let him keep the secrets because those are our secrets. Yeah, I. This is definitely meant to be some kind of Egyptian underworld with all of the very, very bad iconography. Like, it's obviously meant to be Egyptian, but only slightly to the left. Yeah, I was getting. Uh, do you remember Legends of the Hidden Temple? Yes, I always wanted to be on that show. So, what was your what was your what was your chosen team? Um, usually it was the purple parrots because purple's my favorite color. But knowing what I know now about that show, I'm just like, I would not have made it. Yeah. I would have been Silver Snakes because the goal, the silver look was particularly, I was particularly fond of that. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, There was the, the face guy from Legends of the Hidden Temple. They had like... Olmec. 
they had Olmec faces all over the place, which is much more Central American than actually Egyptian. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very odd in their choice of style. The walls had weird H.R. Giger patterns. It was... It did. It did give me some Geiger vibes. It was very strange. And unfortunately, I, I think we're going to be seeing more of this. And oh, down the gosh. road. And as we cut away from our opening credit bits in the Egyptian under area, underwear, we under arrived. <laughs> the underwear. <laughs> we arrived to a science facility and a box being dropped off for a Dr. Leslie Piper. Who makes robots solve problems with colored blocks. Robot is officially a preschooler. Robot can do very basic, uh, very basic instructions. And at first I didn't realize that she was problem solving. And so the robot arm just kind of picked up a block and put it down. She's like, yes, it works. I made it move. Yeah, I, I didn't understand that at all. It was like, what kind of problem is she solving that, like... The robot's dealing with it? it as far as I'm concerned, it's just a testing of the actual function of the arm. Yeah, it's not Because that's clear. what it looks like to me. However, that's not important because she gets a delivery from what looks like Slugsworth from Willy Wonka. Yeah. And inside said box is a random monster doll. It is referred to as the totem. That's what they are. That 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 design of puppet is referred to as the totem. And seeing as it I is I actually like how the totem looked. I really liked it. I really liked the appearance, kind of biological but just enough artificial. It looks like it was carved but is still alive. Yeah, um like it was carved from flesh, um organic Definitely, yeah, definitely Geiger-esque in a way, but also tribal. It gave me some kind of vibe of the uh, evil doll in Karen Black's Trilogy of Terror. Okay. So, it, Quentin said Bionicle. I said Gremlin. You Quentin's said... also a nerd. Yeah. There's a... although, I, although, it gives me also some kind of Yautja Predator vibes. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it gives me some Yacht Job vibes. Overall, I like it. It it very much... It looks threatening, but also doesn't look ridiculous that it's small. Yeah. It looks like a, a little ankle biter that will fuck you up if it gets a chance. Nah, 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 nah. And it proves that reputation, considering it somehow turns the power out in the office... Making it so Dr. Leslie here can't get out of the door and straight up cuts off her finger when she goes to get her keys from the floor. We get some fingy cuts. Straight up chops off her fingy. We get puppet camera. Puppet vision. Puppet vision happens a lot in these movies, unfortunately. Well, this one in particular, didn't it have like a filter on it? A touch. Um, a touch of a... I'd say a tiny bit of fisheye lens, um, but as is to be expected, 
our doctor lady here dies and the and our little totem takes her power she she he does a dementor like how the dementors suck out your soul it looked like that it did but we get an off-screen death through a sort of uh seeing glass from the egyptian underworld and then we cut to a nerd playing laser tag with a couple of robots. So I saw this and I immediately turned to Aaron and Quentin and I said, okay, how old is this character meant to be in the film? Because he he is acting like a child. Well, Dr. Leslie refers to him as a wonderkind. Hmm. So he's obviously meant to be younger. Right. I would say early 20s. Quentin said 19, which both of those things are wrong compared to the age of the actor. The actor looks 30. Yeah, I, I would say early 20s, though, just based off of his personality. And to be fair, I also still like laser tag. Laser tag's fun. Well, here's the thing. He's trying to make AI, right? This is actually clever that he's using laser tag as a means of testing the capability of artificial intelligence since in some sort of battle you need to think of initi with initiative and originality in order to kind of deal with the unpredictability of your opponent. So this is a great way in order to test that functioning because he can be as unpredictable as he wants and the robots will have to act accordingly in order to properly oppose him. Yeah. It makes sense. It makes sense until he describes what he wants to do. Which is, he wants to find randomness, which is not how that would work. If you want to do random, like, if you want to do random number generation, sure. But that's n almost the exact opposite of planning something out. It, it is, I think they just miscon, I think they just mixed up their terminology Random does not mean spontaneous when it comes to a random number generator. Yeah. Because a random number generator straight up isn't really random. It's given a preset list of uh, variables and it chooses from one of those variables. So If I... it were truly random, it could give it from 1 to 10 and give you 12. That'd be truly random. A random, a, just a standard random number generator... Um, is predictable in a sense. So, I don't know if you know this about Aaron, but he is he works in code. This whole movie I... pissed him off so much. Oh, I'm sure it did, but to be fair, a lot of stuff pisses off Aaron. It was it was a lot of fun watching him get <laughs> so mad. But anyway, he's trying to program these things for he's trying to program artificial intelligence. And so he's testing it with these robots and we get a bit of a robot fight scene, but he's very, he's not happy with how it's turning out. And Blade is just kind of there, I guess. So we actually figure out why Blade is there. And it's because our Wonderkin scientist here, Rick, is actually staying at the Bodega Bay Inn. I was surprised to see that. I was honestly yeah. thinking that we were, we had gotten past that as of, uh, Puppet Master 3. Nope. We return to the Bodega Bay Inn 
whilst another scientist, Dr. Baker, receives his killer monster doll. Yeah, and Blade is just sort of walking around and pretending to... He's doing the Toy Story thing, where he's, like, pretending to be a regular puppet. However, why doesn't... Why doesn't our lead here... I believe his name is uh, Rick. Rick. Why isn't he a little bit concerned? Because he's too focused on his robots. Like, I don't... And also focused on expecting some hanky-panky, since... Uh, his pal Susie Dunn arrived and brought some extra people, much to Rick's chagrin. His name is, I believe it's what? Alarm... We've got Lauren and Cameron, and Cameron is an asswad. Cameron's a dick. Cameron is a straight up dick. And, oh, before we, we go too far, uh, we also have, uh, as, as you mentioned, the doctor got his... Uh, little the totem as it's referred to as yes dr baker dr baker and he is the smartest person in this film (laughs) because he gets a creepy ass fucking doll and his first instinct is well you're going in the incinerator (laughs) he should not have been punished he should not have been killed he was so smart yeah but of course we had to have our token black dude die that's the first thing Quentin said was, yes, this black man is smart. He burnt the puppet. But, you know, I get we got to ha- we only we don't get many kills in this movie. So we got to we, we gotta, don't we don't we get we need to uh, up that number wherever we can. And as we find Dr. Baker killed by this totem off screen. We get yet another Bodega Bay in dinner scene, whereas Cameron further pushes how much of a dick he is, saying, "Oh, I'm working for this thing called the Omega Project, and I can't. I'd love to tell you about it, but it's classified. I, and we deal with data that this Doctor Pepper sends us, and Rick's just like, yeah, her name's Doctor Piper. She's analyzing my data." And basically shuts him down from his douchery, saying, yeah, you're essentially working for me. I did like that. That was a very fun scene. Just that... Rick's just being very coy about, like, oh, yeah, I'm working on this, too. Absolutely But not actually saying it until Cameron just starts being a douche to his co-worker. So, after that, they do go up into the... Into Rick's little, little... hideaway did we mention that rick is the caretaker like in a uh in a bit this of a, a par- shining situation yeah this is apparently the off season for the bodega bay inn and in return for having a quiet out of the way place to work uh he essentially is the caretaker of the inn yeah, and so And we... did we also forget to mention that Lauren here is apparently Cameron's girlfriend and is a psychic channeler? Right. We have psychics. <sighs> we have our standard psychic. She finds Blade, who has snuck around in the dining room, and she starts making a fuss over what box Blade came in. This doesn't quite make sense. No, it's like this is the box he might have found it in, but this isn't his box. 
she goes and investigates the storage room and finds Toulon's trunk. And she just starts making a total fuss, passes the fuck out, and tells them all to stay away from it. But, of course, they don't listen. So, the the theme of this film, to me, was people seeing something terrible or feeling something terrible and not explaining why. Yeah. She says, hey, don't open that box. And they're like, hey, why not? And she's just like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't. It's like, just tell us why we won't. It's... <sighs> It's it, it is infuriating in a way where they if a lot of these problems could be solved by communication. Yes. And it just gets to the point where Rick and Cameron get to work on trying to open this trunk first with a hammer and then with uh acid that apparently Rick just has on hand. He's a coder. Why does he have acid? I don't know. I don't know, but We've got three weird different references from Cameron here. One, a Bob Vila reference, which I never expected to see. What was that? Bob Vila. If you don't know who Bob Vila is, he actually hosted a carpentry show on, I believe, PBS? I don't remember what station it was on, but it's actually something me and my dad used to watch a lot when I was younger. Oh, okay. So yeah, he he's a carpenter, a woodworker. Um... And then we also get an L. Ron Hubbard reference and an Uncle Fester reference. Right. All from Cameron within about a two-minute span. And then we also get a Indiana Jones reference a little bit later on. Just a lot of very, very odd references in this movie. But we also get a reintroduction to our puppets and a minor explanation of the end of Puppet Master 3. As they find Toulon's passport, which they believe made him a Nazi, and later find, and then uh, shortly after find out that it was forged. And they're just like, oh, so he wasn't a Nazi. Oh, interesting. And along with Toulon's many, many puppets include his journal, uh, a weird Egyptian Ouija board, and a small case within which is our reanimation formula and a few vials. I would like to put air quotes around Ouija board. Yeah, it's some kind of weird-ass Ouija board, some spirit board, but it is in this we find Herbert West, Puppet Master. <laughs> we get our, you were thinking it too. We get the reanimator goo. It's, it is, regardless of what they say it is, it's the reanimator goo. It is very much indeed the reanimator goo. As Rick brings our puppets back from their lawn sleep with just little injections of our green goo into their chest. And which begs the question, how has Blade been alive and running about without his right. living okay. juice? I was going to bring that up. Why is Blade here? Why is Blade still up and about when... When all of his buddies have been napping. It's not explained. It's not. He's just there for, like, oh, if Blade's not running about, they're never going to find Toulon's trunk and we're never going to get our other puppets like Pinhead or Tunneler or Six Shooter. Yeah. Well, actually, no. That would it, They could still just have the lady be psychic. But we gotta have Blade for whatever reason, because... 
It's Blade. He sells the most. He is our most well-known puppet of the Puppet Master franchise. Correct. But might I also say that Cameron and Lauren are a terrible couple. That's exactly what everyone else was saying while we were watching it. Aaron asked me, what is he? What does she see in him? And I said, $100,000 a year. You know what? That's the only explanation as to why they're in a relationship together. It's more so like, what? why does Cameron stay with her? Because it's obvious that I don't think he genuinely believes in her psychic ability and yet coerces her into doing stuff. Sex. Yeah, men are simple like that. Oh, did, I feel like we just skipped over the part where fucking Cameron says, oh yeah, I would love to shoot my wife. Or re- he, What he says is, ah, women, you can't live with them and you can't shoot them. I'm sorry, what? He's a dick. He is a total dickwad. But we also glossed over the fact that Rick, in his effort to test how autonomous these puppets are, starts up a game of laser tag with them. This was very fun. Laser tag with Tunneler and Pinhead. So, okay. It is at this point I need to say this film does not acknowledge the first two Puppet Masters. Nope. It can't, because for one, Tunneler died. Yep. For two, Torch died does not appear now interestingly if you look at the cover for puppet master 4 torch does appear he is he is in that uh he is on that cover but he does not appear in the actual film uh i read online that was because they didn't want to pay for the fire marshal to come to just sort of certify his flamethrower hand i could see that Like, leave out a very popular puppet just because you're being cheap. Well, so we'll get to this at the end, but he does appear in Puppet Master 5, which would imply he was meant to appear in this. Yeah. However. However. So this movie just completely ignores the first two Puppet Masters. Nothing, the, the, where the puppets are currently makes no sense in the continuity if you remember in puppet master 2 they were going to an orphanage or something right yes i believe so they were on a they were taking a road trip with that puppet lady yeah like it completely ignores that considering also six shooter gets introduced in puppet master 3 which is a prequel to everything so why wasn't he in the first two for for a film series that Charles Band seems to feel so prideful f- towards, he carries a shockingly low amount when it comes to continuity. Yeah. The, this, I am just of the opinion that they are pretending the first two Puppet Masters didn't exist. I'm going from that perspective. Oh, like they completely restarted the series with three? That's... I think that is going to be the, at the very least, is going to be the easiest means of just keeping myself sane. Honestly, yeah, I could see that, and I wouldn't blame them for it. But that aside, 
Cameron continues to be the world's worst boyfriend because he coerces Lauren to contact Andre Toulon with her channeling abilities against her will. Like, she's just like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do it. And he's just like, come on, baby, d do it. Contact the dead. And she's just like, okay. And then as she's channeling, she just straight up sounds like she's coming, which is a very stupid move. I was, I may, I said that as a joke, but then she kept doing it and I got very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, that's not a good, that's not a wise decision. I don't know. In this context. I don't know how ghosts work. <laughs> Sexy ghosts. It, I mean, have you ever, have you seen the movie Ghost? It, they're pretty, they're fu they're pretty hot, I guess. <laughs> sexy, sexy ghosts. So are you suggesting that for Halloween we, we channel Patrick Swayze? I am Into helping us make pottery? I am saying that... I don't, I can't finish this joke. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> there goes the train of thought. Goodbye. And while this happens, another murder doll gets dropped off at the Bodega Bay Inn, and more totems rise from the pyramid that is set in the center of the spirit board that promptly breaks, and the totems arise as after Lauren channels this weird entity... It's like, ah, yes, the elixir. You seek the knowledge from the puppet master. These totems arise from this broken pyramid, and Cameron and Lauren both scream like little girls. <laughs> Cameron's screaming is very funny. I, he I'll give it like to them. a little bitch. I'll give that. I'll give that to them. So, in addition to all of this, this is all going down while they're playing laser tag. Yes. And eventually, what's her name? Susie. And eventually, Susie is like, huh, do you hear screaming? No, no, I don't. No, listen, Ruga, I think. I'm pretty sure that is screaming. I was like, oh, yep, you know what, let's, you know, let's go look in that. Let's go check on that. And they go to check on it. And Cameron and Lauren are running out. And they do not say, oh, hey. There were demons that were summoned. We should probably... You should get out of here, too. They are just saying, Oh, no, we're not dealing with it. We gotta go. We just gotta... We gotta take care of that. We gotta go. It's just bad stuff. We gotta go. It's like, just just yep. tell them. Just tell them that there's demons. Also, apparently, Tundler and Pinhead came along to apparently protect Rick. So I guess they aren't evil this time around. Well, they were never evil. Because even in the first one, they were being influenced. It's kind of like, they're the morality of whatever, whoever their master is. They're the ego. Right. And right now, that's presumably Rick. I guess, but as Cameron and Lauren go to leave... Oh no, their car won't start. And Karen pulls another dick move by making his girlfriend go out into the rain and push the car when it won't start and straight up locks her out so she actually does it. They made him a cartoonish asshole. But it makes this be best bet even more rewarding because joke's on him. There's a little totem in the car and it just straight fucks him up. Ah! 
<laughs> accidentally hits the <laughs> accidentally hits the hazard lights and everything. Cars are rocking as he struggles, and then as he finally dies to this ten-inch tall terror, the hazard lights go out. Like uh, again, I want to say that this film does a very good job of making these totems. They're small, but they'll fuck you up. And I I was believing that. I believed that this creature could fuck me up. Yeah. But to be fair, you also run from clowns. Can you let that go? No. What happens next? Um, what happens next is our puppets start hanging around the kitchen and become accosted by one of our totems and... We get puppets versus our little monster dudes. And guess what? The puppets win. So this is a pretty fun little scene where the puppets run, sort of pin the totem against the wall. Yes. Penhead and Blade pin the totem against the wall and then Tunneler does his thing. I don't like Tunneler, but I do appreciate this. And it leads to one moment that I, I genuinely enjoyed, which was after Tunneler pulls his little drill head out of the totem. Pinhead helps him clean Pinhead's up. just cleaning up his drill, like, don't worry, buddy, I got you. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'll let you have that one. <laughs> They're friends. They're pals. They're a little family, and I'm just like, aw. Pinhead, honestly, has always been my favorite. Pinhead is is by far my favorite. He's the... He is the heart of the group. I agree. It's like, he's got a small head, but a big heart. I just got a big old head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got a big old head and a little tiny head. (laughs) You know, I might not be the brightest, but you know, I, I, I care hard. I love hard. And you know, if you're my bud, I'm going to take care of you to the best of my ability. And if that means cleaning up all the gunk on your drill head, then you know what? I'm going to help you out. Penhead's my favorite. But as this happens, we f- the disembodied voice of Andre Toulon speaks of a puppet named Decapitron. His time has come. Okay. Decapitron. This whole thing pisses me off. I guess, if we're talking about Decapitron, what is your opinion on on Decapitron's design? We'll start there. Lackluster? Yeah. He's pretty meh. See, here's the thing, though. They could have done something so much better with the puppet's actual design, especially with the way he's introduced. Considering Decapitron has been encased in a separate box from everyone else, he's introduced in a very Frankenstein's monster way. As the puppets are setting everything up, they've got tubes that they're jamming into his neck. They're running cables up to a lightning rod on the roof. But it's also very weird that they introduced a new puppet with only 15 minutes of runtime left. Okay. And they didn't even it's not even a real introduction concerning he's not animated. So I'm going to I'm going to He's just on the he's just in the lab on the slab. I'm going to spill the beans here. Puppet Master 4 and 5 were originally meant to be the same movie. 
Really? Yes. It was meant to be a full feature film, like, on the screen and everything. But then they split it up into two. Which is... That's why the movie ends so abruptly. <sighs> and... I guess would we'll, I, I guess because the end ending really comes in real quick here, where it, they're they're to be fair that can be said of a lot of full moon movies they're a very fast end, but this one especially, I didn't. It felt like we were, we had another thirty minutes left in the film, which yeah. we did. But they're 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 preparing the decapitron, or no they're. First of all, one of the uh, totems comes in, and Six Shooter lassos a wire around him, and they electrocute him using the energy from the, um, from the lightning rod. from the lightning rod. Why didn't Six Shooter just shoot him? Um, he's trying to be more creative with his kills. The simple answer that they could have put in there was like, "Oh, he's out of ammo." Yeah, I, that too. I would have been totally fine with that. But they didn't do it. And so I'm going to criticize them. And as Rick is watching this attempted resurrection, Decapitron's face morphs into Toulon's for pure expository purposes. Explaining how he got the power of animation by stealing it from an Egyptian village of sorcerers who worship a demon named Sutek, which I guess is the name of our giant ugly puppet frisky dingo thing correct correct foam nipple dude as i called him in my notes oh and we forgot to mention there was a third totem that came in that was had acid poured on them yes but so we get three it does not kill them which means the the, the killer that was previously thought that whatever that line is Comes back, jumps, is going to... Fights one-on-one with Blade. No, 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 no. What we missed was... Apparently these scientists are being killed off because they're close to discovering the power of animation. And Sutek's like, no, this is our secret. And that's why they're all being murdered? It makes no absolute sense. But also, we have Lauren hiding under a table from a 10-inch tall monster like a dumbass. <laughs> it's, it's really stupid. It's incredibly stupid. Lauren in herself is not a good character, because either she's talking, someone else is talking through her, or she's just passed out or screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Those are her three states of being. Maybe she was supposed to have more... When this was one movie. But as it stands, there's pretty much nothing for her to do. Yep. And Lauren Lauren then channels Toulon's spirit, saying, You must animate Decapitron. Use your science and magic together in order to animate this final puppet. He is the one who can destroy the beast. And then he and, he codes in in Braille and binary. He codes in Braille and binary. Which, by the and way, Decapitron made, finally moves. 
Which, by the way, Aaron uh, fact-checked this. Java had come out by this point. So, <laughs> there's no reason for him to have been doing that. Decapitron finally moves with five minutes of runtime left. But also, yes, we get a puppet battle between this final acid-melted totem and Blade. And Blade just straight up gets bitch-slapped. So, is the implication that Blade is killed... No, I don't think he's dead. He just gets bitch slapped to fucking back. Because Decapitron here is our puppet ex machina. Right. So Decapitron has... So the gimmick is he has multiple heads, right? We only see two in this movie. He We see two. But the film advertises three. There's three. Which is another reason why this is the worst Puppet Master movie. I Yeah, no, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. The little snippet underneath the player on Full Moon Features website where we watch all these movies. And it, it shows three heads instead of two. It says he has three heads. The morph head, the, the gun head, and the surveillance head, which we never see. Like, there's been misleading no. advertisement, but this is just a straight-up a lie. Yeah. No, we get the weapon's head, which is kind of just like a little zap-zap Tesla coil that just zaps at this final totem, and I guess is Sutek being defeated? Because now one of his last watchers is down and dead. And all the, everyone else is just like, yeah, go, Decapitron. And then, and then Ricky becomes the puppet master. Decapitron puts on his morph head, changes back to Toulon's face, and Toulon's just like, yeah, the, the energy needs to be protected, needs to be kept safe. You are the new puppet master. And our movie ends with a slow zoom out through an rainy window and a freeze frame. <laughs> I started screaming. The movie wasn't the movie wasn't over yet. The movie was not done. There were, what do you mean it's over? No. We were we just like started the third act. What do you mean? Uh... But no. That's the end of the movie because Charles Band got greedy. And made this into two movies. I, I... <sighs> How long do you think it'll take us to forget that this movie existed? At least after we talk about Puppet Master 5 in the near future. Here's the thing. I don't think we'll forget it existed. I think that we it will become merged together with Puppet Master 5. Probably. Would you recommend this movie to anyone? No. If I would only recommend this, assumedly, if you're gonna watch it with alongside Puppet Master 5, because otherwise you're only watching half a movie. Also, if you have a bunch of friends there and you're all just blitzed out of your fucking mind... It's not the best. This is best enjoyed with pals and roasting. I can't... Again, I I don't want my 
me having watched this with other people to kind of skew how I rate this on enjoyment. I think it's objectively the worst Puppet Master film. So far. And, yeah, unless you are one of those people that wants to watch all of the Puppet Master films, this seems to be required viewing if you want to watch five. Yay. However, you can just apparently just skip one and two and start at three because one and two don't count. Well, Puppet Master 4 was dumb, as is expected from the Puppet Master franchises, but at least it's a familiar kind of dumb. So the next question I have is, I suppose since we haven't, this would be the first time we're doing this uh, gag what would you who would you pit the puppets against and let's say um, that it is the the cast of puppets we get in this film specifically is it weird that i kind of want to see them put against brick bardot we've already seen him fight the demonic toys we need to see him fight the puppet master toys mm mm I want to see the puppets against Dr. Mordred. Because Dr. Mordred has magic. And seeing, like, a magician fight these magical little puppets would be very, very fun. I think that there are some... You could do well with that. Yeah, I could see that. I still want to see them fight Brick Bardot. Uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that will eventually happen. Monkeys and typewriters, you know what I mean? Oh, I know. But, let's move on to a film that does not have a franchise behind it. Another one-off. Next time on Glass Half Full Moon, we will be discussing Robot Wars, a.k.a. the Chinese knockoff cousin of BattleBots. So... Here's the weirdest thing. This is supposedly a sequel to Robot Jocks, which already happened in Crash and Burn. However, Crash and Burn is completely unrelated to Robot Jocks. So I can only assume that this will have nothing to do with either Robot Jocks or Crash and Burn. We shall see. I mean, Crash and Burn did open up to have a sequel. But, we'll figure that out next time. I'm gonna go wash this horrid puppetness out of my eyeballs. I am going to go and revel in the puppetness. Become one with the puppetness. <laughs> so, next time you see Gabe, he might be on the cover of NSYNC's No Strings Attached album. I am going to have myself a horrible evening. And I hope all of you do as well. Bye, everybody.